What's been your experience with gender in the church? I have a hunch your experiences are, are pretty different. That happens to me, Daddy. I'm always the last one picked. And I asked her why that was. She said, the boys always pick the girls last because we're girls. In 1 Corinthians, which is 16 chapters long, Paul has to spend four entire chapters fixing what was happening in church. When different people with different gifts and different genders were gathering together, the messed up Corinthian church messed this all up and they missed God's beautiful design. When boys and girls, men and women all line up together and we have to figure out how this works, how we can work together on the same team, Who's picked to be the preacher, the pastor, the teacher, the leader? Who serves where and when and how and how often? As so many of you know, those are huge questions. And they're questions that people don't always pick the right answers. If we have any application or any ultimate call that doesn't make women feel like Jesus and men feel like our Father in Heaven, we've missed it. And that's why today I'm so excited to talk to you. Not as just some guy, not as some leader of a church. I want to open the word of God and get back to what our father thinks. Because just like I do with my daughters, just like it's personal and emotional and I care so much about the way that they're treated, our father, our father in heaven, cares about every son, every daughter, every man, every woman, every boy and girl that he knit together in their mother's womb. The church says, there it is. The word of the Lord. Case closed. But that would be a big mistake. A really, really big mistake. Do you know why? Because this didn't come after this. My math teacher taught me back in first grade that the number 14 does not come after the number 11. There's something in the middle. A 12 and a 13. And I'll propose to you why this gets so messy and uncomfortable and ugly in the church, why it seems in her words abrupt and harsh and out of context is because some people, some churches miss the middle. And if we miss the middle, we're going to mess it up too. If we try to apply this idea of like the head of the woman is man, so therefore women should be silent and submit as the law says, and we skip what's in the middle, we're going to mess this up in a huge way. So today I got to teach you the middle. Do you know what's on the next page of 1 Corinthians? Chapter 12. And you know what 1 Corinthians 12 is about? How much we need each other. There, Paul talks about the body of Christ and how every part in the body, every person in the Christian church is so valuable and so necessary. Now, I told you the Corinthians were a messed up church, so they really messed this up. Some of the people in their church, I'm guessing a lot of the men who maybe had more positions of influence and responsibility, looked at a lot of other people, perhaps a lot of the women, and thought, we don't need you. 
Like, we'll take care of the hard work. We're going to make the plan. We're going to cast the vision. We're going to preach the sermons. You just listen in silence and submit, and the church is going to be good. And Paul knew that it wouldn't. And he also knew at that same church there were a whole bunch of people who felt inferior, that they weren't needed or necessary. They were jealous and, and envious. And Paul said, no, no, no. You have no clue how important you are in the family of God and in the body of Christ. You, you need each other. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what your gender, what your position, what, what your place. You need each other. That's why he wrote these powerful words in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, there should be no division in the body, no division between male and female, important, not, superior, inferior, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern. If, if every man is not concerned for every woman, he's, he's missed the middle. If every woman doesn't see the, the value and importance of every man, they've missed the middle. But we, we can't, unless we want to mess this up, miss the middle. And Paul said, here's the middle. Uh, I need you. In fact, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write that down. This is the truth that unites us as men and women in the church, that, that I need you and you need me. At the same time, you are both needed and needy. None of us are independent and, and the church will never work until we truly believe that, that whoever walks through its doors, we desperately need them. And you know what comes next? Chapter 13. And you know what's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Not a poem about weddings. <laughs> if you've ever been to a Christian wedding before, uh, people love to read this because it's this beautiful definition of love about patience and kindness and humility and serving each other. It really fits well in a marriage. But Paul didn't write it for his best man speech. He wrote it to the messed up Corinthians who didn't value each other as men and women. He wrote to men who were impatient, men who were proud, men who didn't protect the women in their church. He, he wrote to women who were sometimes envious or easily angered or they didn't rejoice in the truth of this God-given distinction. And to that messed up church, Paul wrote these incredible words, 1 Corinthians 13. He said, love is patient. Men and women, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And Paul said, if we miss that, like the, these distinctions will divide us and they'll destroy us. But, but if we get that, if we love each other in selflessness, in kindness, in patience, and in passion, we're going to be okay. It's the second uniting truth I want you to write down. Not just that I need you, but I love you. And then the Apostle Paul gets to this. Then he's ready to teach them about the distinction about men and women, how, how the Father and the Son, how this all fits together in the church. But, but he knows it's never going to work unless we get the middle. And so if I was going to give you one big idea, one thing to always think about when we wrestle with these controversial issues in our time, it's this. Don't miss the middle. <laughs> you know, I had a lot of conversations in the past two weeks. 
preparing for the sermon series and especially preparing for today, I, I talked to a number of men and I talked to a whole lot of women. I emailed questions. I sat at coffee shops in friends' garages. I, I got my hair cut and I asked the questions. I asked my wife as we were riding in the car. I went out to dinner. I, I asked woman after woman after woman some tough questions. T- tell me what it's like to be a woman and tell me what it's like to be a woman in the church. And a bunch of conversations stood out to me, but I want to tell you about two. One is a conversation that I had with a a man, uh, a pastor from our staff, Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim has done a lot of counseling over the years and he does a a bulk of the counseling at our church. And I remember what he said to me. He he said, Mike, you, you can't forget the heartbreakingly high number of women who have spent their lives around men who are nothing like God. Their fathers, the guys at their high school, their boyfriends, their husbands, people who have been emotionally manipulative, verbally abusive, or physically aggressive. You have to remember, you know, this relationship between the father and son is is beautiful on paper, but a lot of guys aren't much like the father at all. They're not selfless and they don't boom with all of their authority. I I love you and and I need you to carry out my plans for our family. They haven't experienced that. And Pastor Jim said, Mike, you have to remember how hard it is to hear something like this when you've been through something like that. And he's right. I bet if this doesn't bother you much, you've been blessed with some really great men a good father, men who respected and valued you, a pastor who asked you questions and listened to your answers and and your wisdom helped shape his sermons. But if you haven't had that, I just want to tell you today that those men missed the middle. That what God is teaching, what what is good and right and, and true, what we're going to stand up for here at our church is not what you've been through. If a man was aggressive towards you, if he didn't protect you, if he didn't persevere in in loving you, I just want to tell you that was that and it was wrong. It's not what we stand for and and thank God it's not what our Father stands for. You were sinned against. And I want you to know there's there's a difference. The the goal of our church is not to make you go through that again. It's not to trample you underneath the the feet of men. Our, Our goal is to raise up every man to be like God and call you to this holy place to be like Jesus. The second conversation I had was just as hard. I invited uh, a couple of friends of mine uh, to have lunch with me the other day. And I didn't just ask them, what's it like to be a woman? I asked them, what is it like to be a woman at the church where I'm the pastor? And when I invited them out to lunch, I had no clue how hard that conversation was going to be. See, in the the back of my mind, that thought that I did this pretty well. I thought I spoke to enough women and loved enough women and took the advice of a lot of women when I craft my sermons that they would have felt valued and loved and, and in some ways they did. But I quickly realized that I had all too often missed the middle. And to be real, I wanted to argue so many times. I did argue too many times but 
As I got back to the office and, and I sat and like the adrenaline stopped, that conversation broke me. And to think of the five years that I've been here at the church and, and not and not valued women like our Heavenly Father does, that, that got to me. My friends told me about um, a men's conference that I got our church pumped up about. We promoted it. We, we had videos and posters. We tried to rally 50 guys to step up and to lead. But you know what we did for the, the women's conference that's coming up in six weeks? Nothing. And it's not that I didn't know about it. I'm the keynote speaker at it. And I said nothing. And what is it like to be a member of a church where you notice that distinction? Where it has nothing to do with the differences that God calls us to as men and women, but, but you say you value men and women, so, so why didn't you then? And we talked about the conversations that sometimes our male leaders have behind closed doors that we didn't share with the women at our church. Times when we are thinking about them in love, when we have taken their, their lifestyles and their considerations in mind, when, when we're thinking deeply about them, but, but you know that love doesn't mean much if you don't say it. And if five male dudes sit in a room behind a closed door and they love women but they don't get up and express it, it, it does nothing. And so, man, I want to talk to you today. I want to challenge you in joining me in making this church a better place for women. I want you to join me in asking more questions and listening to more answers. I want, I want you to join me in opening your eyes wider to see the, the gifts of women and how we can leverage them for the good of this direction that God wants to take us. I want you to, to join me in, in making sure that whatever position or responsibility or authority you might have at our church that is always used to serve, always used to include, and always used to love. Our church, it can do great, great things for God, but we can't do it without them. We'd be a head without a body and we would never run the race that God has called us to. So guys, let's be better. You might not know all the women at our church, but you'll run into some of them after church. You'll drive home with some of them in your cars. You'll raise some of them as your daughters. Let's love them well and make sure that this place is nothing like the, the toxic stories that so many people have experienced in church. And women, I want to challenge you too. Because it's easy for you to miss the middle as well. I don't know if I have the right to say this as a dude, but I'm, I'm your pastor too and, and I do love you. So let me say this, don't miss the middle. Sometimes when you feel overlooked or unloved, it is so easy to forget about the page that matters so much to God. God says without love, it's nothing. And so when you get together, and especially when you get together and men are not around, please, Choose to be something. Don't give in to, to that classic behavior that is not patient and it's not kind and it's not protective and it's not loving and it's not good because that won't be good for us. You might be right. I might have messed up. 
We might have messed up. But if your behavior does not look like Jesus, it, it means nothing. And our church will do nothing that matters to Jesus. Can I tell you, leadership is easy from a distance. It's easy to see the things that could have been done better, no matter what the context. And so ladies, we need you to help. We need your words and your prayers and your wisdom to help. You know, stereotypically, you outword us. And the Bible is a book full of words, and so we need your help. For people like me who have to make high-level decisions for the church, no decision is a good one if it lacks empathy, and so many of you have so much of it. We need your help. So please help. Choose love. Even in the midst of this distinction, like, we, we didn't make it up. I, I didn't make it up. Please don't hold it against me. Would you delight in the truth? Even this one. And would you love like Jesus loved his heavenly father? And let me say something to all of you, to men and women, brothers, sisters, sons and daughters. Thank God for Jesus. <laughs> you know how crappy I felt the other day when I realized what a failure I've been as a pastor? But by the grace of God, I remembered Jesus. That because of Jesus, I know who I am. I'm, I'm not a failure. I'm a child of God. That because of Jesus, you're not like some wretched man or woman. You, you've been redeemed and been called part of his family. Because Jesus came into this world and, and the head of man is Christ. He had a plan and he set his eyes on the cross. And at the cross of Jesus, we find out that he is not easily angered and he keeps no record of wrongs. That he always perseveres and he always protects so that we can be saved. And we find out that Jesus submitted to his heavenly father so that forgiveness could be ours. So when we walk out of here today, it doesn't have to be with guilt or regret or shame. We, we can embrace and value and admit what we've messed up and we can be better with the help of God. Jesus shed his blood on the cross because he was a man and he stepped up like a rib to protect his church, to protect you. And Jesus helped. When he said, Father, your will be done, he marched off to a cross he could have avoided so that we could live without shame and instead be part of the family of God. Which means when we leave here today, we, we don't have to do it alone. <laughs> and to love every man, every woman in our church to, to lead you well, it, it terrifies me until I remember that God is with me. That the God who knows how I should best love each one of you, he is with me. That the Holy Spirit who knows every one of your story, who lives in your hearts, he's with me too and he can guide me and give me wisdom. This is going to be hard but we can do it with the Holy Spirit. And some of you will face incredible challenges with gender, with men and women, understanding each other, appreciating each other, needing each other and loving each other but you don't have to do it by yourself. You have a God who loves you and will always be with you. And if you remember that, we're going to be okay. Even as we try to figure out all of this stuff. You know, I'm this close to saying amen, but some of you realize I haven't talked about this stuff. Like, but, but Pastor, what are the answers about, you know, who can preach and who can teach and what about Bible studies and, you know, reading in church and serving communion and, and leading a life group and who can sing and who can have a solo and who can direct and who can be on the board of the council or who can have the vote? You know what my answers to all those questions are? I don't know. <laughs> 
I honestly don't know. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about head coverings and hairstyles. It does not talk about 21st century American church organizational charts and democratic decision-making processes. So I don't know, but, but here's what I do know. If we need each other and we love each other, this is going to be okay. Like, if I need to get my way on, on one of those questions or issues and I let go of love, we're not going to be okay. But if we can embrace the middle, we need each other. We, we really do love each other. Whatever we decide, and this changes from culture to culture and church to church, it, it's going to be okay. Because like a ballroom dance and the no-hitter game, there will not be the tension, just cooperation as we take our unique genders and gifts and we unite them for the glory of God and the good of his people. Don't miss the middle. Do this and we're going to make it. Because that's what she said. Remember that car college girl at the, the coffee shop? These passages bother me. They're abrupt and harsh. We, we sat down for two hours with open Bibles. We read every one. We asked questions. We raised objections. And at the end of two hours, you know what she did? She put down her pen and she smiled. The smart, driven, independent woman, she smiled and she rejoiced in the truth because we didn't miss the middle. Before I left the coffee shop, though, I, I noticed something. Her Bible. It was as beat up and underlined and note-filled as my own. And it struck me that only one of us was going to stand here today and preach with authority. But I couldn't have done it without her. Every Sunday, I get to stand up here as, as one of the heads of this church. But without her wisdom, her experience, her email, her story, her faith, it wouldn't work. But together, it does. And it will. Brothers and sisters, I don't know who's sitting next to you, but I know that you need them. And if you love them, we're going to be okay. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for your love. And the worst part of preaching is that you always get me. And I realize as hard as I try, I'm not there yet. And so many of us feel that way. God, you're, you're opening our eyes to things we didn't see before, things that we missed. So thank you for your love. Thank you that your love is higher than the heavens and it's deeper than the depths. Thank you that we're made new because of Jesus. Thank you, Father, when we want to drop our heads in regret and sin and shame. You, you hold our head up and you remind us who we are, that we are made new through the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Jesus, that you are a submissive Savior. That you're God. You're so powerful and you're so wise, but you were so humble that you said, Father, your will be done. That's why we love you. It's why we worship you today. And it's what redeems this entire topic for us. Help us to remember that, God. When, when our culture wants to tell us that this is wrong and evil and backwards and patriarchal, help us not to believe it because we know too much about you. I pray, God, today for every man in this church that he would have a plan like our Father did. 
a plan to lead spiritually, to be a blessing spiritually, a plan that's not for his own good, but for the good of others. God, when I think about church and Bible study in the home and, and prayer, would you raise up right now in the hearts of a bunch of men to take a step and, and try to do something with your help and power? And I pray for every woman that her faith would, would help, would help our church, would help her family. It would help because that's what you designed a woman to be. Father, it would be easy for our culture, to, our, our church, to, to bail on this. If we just didn't address this topic, if we avoided this issue, just because we wanted more people to come to our church, but that wouldn't honor you. So help us to be faithful. Help us to be humble. Help us to not be shocked when people are shocked by this teaching, but instead not just lead them to this word, but to the word about Jesus that makes us trust it and rejoice in it. Help us to be a faithful church, God. And just as much, help us to be a church that loves every person, male or female. We pray this all because we need to. Without your help, this isn't going to work. But with you, Father, all things are possible. So we pray this in your beautiful, powerful name. Amen. I love thinking about the potential of men and women uniquely designed by God working together in the church. So I hope this message was a blessing to you as well. But we're not done. We're definitely not done with our discussion of God and gender. We need to talk about marriage. We need to talk about taking these concepts and bringing them into our homes. What does that look like when a husband embraces his unique calling and a wife does the same? We're going to dive into some, to some pretty controversial but really important scriptures for our families, our homes, and our culture. So I hope you can join us next week on Time of Grace. A few years ago, I wrote this little book. It's called Gay and God. Loving everyone that God made and everything that God wrote. And I've heard from so many of you how much this book mattered. For many of you longtime Christians, it helped you see that simple command of Jesus to love everyone like you never have before. And for others, it opened your eyes to the truth of God's word, those passages that are so easy to forget. In fact, so many of you were impacted by this book that you asked for more. You wanted to take the topic deeper. You wanted to dig into each of those passages, deal with real-life objections, and see the best way to love God's word and to love all the people in your life. You asked, in essence, for a study guide. So we wrote one. <laughs> I'm so excited to share with you the brand new Gay and God study guide. A chance to take this topic deeper. Because these two books together are a great opportunity to figure out what love looks like in a complicated world. How do we love people regardless of their sexual attraction or preference? And how do we hold on to every syllable of every sentence that our Savior said? I hope that Gay and God and this brand new study guide help you and help me do just that. Hurry and request your copies of Gay and God and the brand new study guide when you give because June 30th is the last day to get this set as a thank you for your support. Request your copy by calling 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin 53201, or text TIME to 313131 to give today. Time of Grace doesn't end here. We offer so much more. Visit us at timeofgrace.org you'll discover resources to help you in your walk of faith. These include blogs, 
Grace Moment devotionals, and our prayer wall. You can also stay encouraged with our daily video devotionals. Connect with us on social media. Join our Facebook group where you'll meet a strong community of believers. Follow us on Instagram and get an inside look at our ministry. And if you need someone to pray for you, call us or visit our prayer wall. Thank you so much for your support. We'll see you here again next week. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Mike. You probably thought you were done listening to me, but here I am again, because <laughs> I need your help. We love more people to hear this great message of God's love. So if you could rate and review this podcast, it could reach more inboxes, more ears, more eyes, more hearts, so that people could have more hope in Jesus. If you like listening to our podcast and finding out how you can keep God's word at the center of your life, hop on over to our friends who produce the podcast, When Fear Reigns. Dr. John Parlow, who was actually my childhood pastor, and Pastor Ben Workentine answer your questions and take a deep dive in how to live your Christian faith in an increasingly secular world. Check them out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.